that he said that Jesus is worthy of our trust. And perhaps we can think a little bit about his trustworthiness by looking at Psalm 37 together, a passage in Psalm 37. I was reminded of this today, and it actually, this psalm, every time I read it, it reminds me of a message I heard many years ago by uh, Brother Paul Palmer Jr., actually, and I remember very vividly what he said, and so I thought I'd share it with you all so that you could have it as well. It's a nice little way to remember some of the truths that we see in Psalm 37, and I think of it every time I read it. It's, and maybe, I don't know where he heard it. Maybe he heard it from someone else and passed it on to us, and I can pass it on to you. Uh, we see five verbs that we're called to do, five verbs in Psalm 37. And those verbs, the initials spell out the dark clouds rain water. The dark clouds rain water. That's the way to remember them. Um, trust, delight, commit, rest, and wait. We're called to trust in the Lord, delight in the Lord, commit our way to the Lord, rest in the Lord, and wait on the Lord. And that little mnemonic aid, that um, memory tool has served me all these years the dark clouds rain water, but it's not just random, a random sentence. If you think about it, the dark clouds rain water. You know, when you look up and you see a cloud that's really dark, it's like that cloud is making a promise that soon rain will come. You know, when you, when you look up, say you're in the pool swimming and you look up and the sky begins to get dark and you see the dark cloud coming, you know what's about to happen. You know that a promise has been made and that cloud is about to fulfill its promise by sending rain. It reminds me of something that we see in Jude. So before we look at those verbs together in Psalm 37, if I could just read a couple verses from the book of Jude, you don't need to turn there, but Jude is very concerned about false teachers, and he compares them to a lot of different things in verse, uh, verses 12 and 13 of Jude. He, he, he has these little word pictures. He tells us these false teachers are like certain things, and here's this list that he gives them. They are like hidden reefs in verse 12. They're like shepherds that feed themselves. They are like waterless clouds swept along by the wind. They're like fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead uprooted. And then later he says, they're like wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. And it reminds me, you know, some of the things that we put our trust in are like this. They're like waterless clouds, clouds that look like they're going to promise water, but they don't deliver. 
They're like fruitless trees. You know, we have a mango tree at home and it's pretty faithful. You know, we expect fruit to come and it comes. But what about a tree that never delivers fruit, never gives what it promises to give? You know, Jude compares those false teachers to wandering stars. You know, if you're familiar with the way the stars work in the sky, they're very faithful. They're always in that same place. But there are certain bright lights up there that sort of wander around. They are here one morning, one night, and then you look the next night and they're in a slightly different position. And those, of course, are the planets. The planets don't follow the same exact pattern as the stars. And so in the past, before people really understood the way the planets move, they would call those wandering stars. So imagine yourself as a sailor, you're out on the sea and you want to navigate. You look up to the stars and the stars are going to promise we'll be here at the same place in the sky every night. But then what if it, you picked one of the wrong stars to follow? And so in all of these pictures, we have examples of unfaithful promises, promises that are made but not kept. And many of the things that we put our trust in, that we put our hope in in this life, might seem like they're trustworthy. It might seem like they will deliver on their promises, but they won't. Nothing is faithful like the Lord Jesus. He is worthy of our trust. He's worthy of us putting all of our eggs in that basket. As we, that's a little cliche that we say, put all your eggs. People will say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. But the Lord Jesus is the only one that we can fully say, I'm going to put all my eggs in his basket. I can put all my trust and hope in him. So if we could just read a portion of Psalm 37 together and... I pray it's encouraging for anyone this morning that needs a little encouragement. You know, when we are struggling, we're going to turn somewhere. And I pray that, of course, the Lord will use many different things in our lives. He'll use people in our lives. But ultimately, I pray that you and I will turn to him because he is faithful. So just a few verses here, starting in verse 3 of Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. And then lastly, in verse 34, wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land, and you will look on when the wicked are cut off. So there we have those five verbs that were given, five actions, and each one is in the same pattern. Trust in the Lord. 
Delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Rest in the Lord and wait for the Lord. Each one, they're similar, but they carry slightly different meanings. So just looking at them briefly, what does it mean to say, trust in the Lord and do good? I think that's the sort of umbrella term. You know, we're told many times in scripture, don't grow weary in doing good. Because in time you will reap a harvest. And as we continue on in the path that God has called us to, it requires a lot of trust. Because you and I will look around and we'll see people and they're doing pretty much whatever they, they seem to be doing, whatever they want, living however they want. And they seem to be getting along just fine. But then sometimes we were trying our best to trust in the Lord and we meet obstacles. We struggle. We uh, might feel like the ground is shifting under our feet. You know, think about David, who at, in his younger years was a faithful man, faithful to the Lord's call. And he found himself on the run for his life, while his enemy, who was clearly against the will of the Lord, was living in his palace. So it would have been easy for him to say, I've picked the wrong thing to trust in. I thought trusting in the Lord was going to help me, but yet here I am running for my life. But he was able to say in this psalm, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. You will inherit those promises that God has given. He is worthy of our trust. The second one says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. This is a very interesting word. It's almost like he's saying, fall in love with the Lord. Fall in love with the Lord. Let him be the object of your delight. If you've ever fallen in love, and I'm happy to say that I have, I remember that process of falling in love. And as we, as my wife and I, Diane, were getting to know each other and, you know, getting closer to being married, my thoughts would go towards her every day. And, and um, I would look forward to those conversations that we'd have on the phone or letters that she might write. And really, she was meeting needs that I didn't even know that I had. Needs for companionship, need to be understood. And so sometimes we look at this verse where it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And we're troubled by it. We're like, what does that mean? Does that mean anything I want, God's going to give it to me? So if I want a million dollars, as long as I delight in the Lord, he'll give me that million dollars. It's not simple like that. I think it's a lot closer to the idea of falling in love. When you're in love with somebody, they are meeting the desires of your heart. You didn't even know what those desires were. But they are somehow maybe even showing you the desires of your heart and then fulfilling them. And that's what the Lord promises to do in this psalm. When we delight in him, 
when he's the object of our delight, all of a sudden we'll find, I didn't even know I needed that, but he has first awakened me to that desire that I have. And he's shown me he is the one who will give me that desire, the, the object of my desire. The third verb says to commit our way to the Lord. And we've talked about this, I think, uh, in the past, that idea of committing our way to the Lord. It's the, it literally says, roll on to the Lord your way. Roll it on to him. You know, think of all the things that we carry as burdens through the day. We think it's all up to us to try to figure out what to do today. How should I spend my time? Um, what are my responsibilities? And we carry them around like big burdens on our back. And God is calling us, roll those things onto me. Roll those burdens onto me. I'm the one who's going to bring forth your righteousness like the noonday. You don't have to do it. You can't do it. You're not able to carry the burden that you've put on yourself. But he tells us, roll those burdens onto me. And when you do, he will act. Isn't that neat? He calls us to act. But really, the only act we need to do is to roll our way onto him. And then he becomes the actor. He becomes the worker. He's the one who works out our righteousness. We see those truths uh, again and again in scripture, you know, where we are called to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who works in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then the fourth one. So we trust, we delight, we commit our way to him. And then we rest. In the Lord. This translation I'm looking at in the ESV says, Be still before the Lord. Literally, it means stop in the Lord. You know, have you ever, if you've had a child, sometimes you just want to tell the child, just stop for a second. Just stop. Stop striving. Stop moving so much. Stop in uh, scrambling. And the Lord is telling us many times to stop in him. Cease striving. Be still before the Lord. There's a beautiful promise in, in that. You know, we, lo we long for rest. We long for recreation. And we'll find it in lots of different things. We take a, a long weekend. We take a vacation. We try to find rest in many things. But nothing beats finding our rest in the Lord. So let's follow that instruction as well. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. And then the last one says in verse 34, wait for the Lord. In fact, this psalm says three times to wait on the Lord. We hate to wait. We love to have things the minute we want them, the minute we desire them. But as we wait on the Lord, it says he will exalt us in his time. Wait requires humility and patience, things that don't come naturally to us. But the Lord is worthy of our waiting. He's worthy of our patience. And so I pray that that would be an encouragement to you all today. 
The Lord is not like those teachers in Jude. He's not a waterless cloud. He promises certain things and he delivers on those promises. So this little memory aid, the dark clouds rain water. That can help you remember to trust, delight, commit your way, rest and wait in the Lord for his glory and our building up. Amen. 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 The dark clouds. Okay. Well, 1215 is our Sunday school hour and uh, be praying for that if you're not attending. Thursday at 730 is prayer and uh, follow that with our Bible study, 2 Timothy 1, and we're continuing in verse 9. So remember today that the dark clouds bring rain water, the dark clouds of rain water. That's helpful. Thank you. See you all then.